This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples, UFC and Boxing Talk. Welcome to podcast episode 253. We are the Fight Disciples. This one dedicated to the world of boxing. If you've only just come across it, you can get us on iTunes uh, where you can subscribe. And if you do subscribe, please write us a little review because it helps as we are viewing in the iTunes chart. So therefore more people can see us and more people can get this nonsense on a week by week basis. Android users... Go to fightdisciples.com. And we're all over social media, at Fight Disciples, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. On YouTube, uh, we release new videos every single Wednesday. It's normally an interview with someone. And this week, it is with the WBO uh, Super Bantamweight champion, Isaac Dogby. I have been told to pronounce his name. I was just going to say, I was going to correct you there. No, I uh, had a good sit-down with him in Brixton. The king, yeah. The royal royal storm. Mm -hmm. And he uh, told me... How to pronounce his name properly? Isaac Dogby. Dogby. Not Isaac Dogbo. Wow. As okay. it is as it is written. Absolutely. Okay. Isaac Dogby. Wow. Uh, that's about time you pronounce someone's name right. That's right. We nailed it. Um so that'll be up on Wednesday. So you can have a little bit of a nosy at that. And there's a nice little section at the end of him teaching me how to say Neho. That was brilliant. I've seen a clip of that. Which means uh uproot and move forward. Oh right, okay. In Ghanaian. There you go, you see? Nice. Cultural. Nice. That's what we're doing this week. <laughs> Taking you around the world, baby. Cultural corner. I like it. Mm. Uh, anyway. Um, was he cool? Mate, he is wicked. Wicked little dude. He starts off. Him and his dad come across as wicked. Yeah, Because they they're just like, we fucking took on the world. We're not doing it the easy way. We're That's doing it, it our way. And I love it. that. And uh, he he starts the interview by rapping. He, rap, he, he makes his own rap up and he starts the whole thing just talking about, like, now fighting at Madison Square Garden. And, I, and then I, my first question to him is, is that going to be your new ring walk? He goes, I'm thinking of doing something like that, yeah. So you never know, we might get, well, I've got an exclusive there. So when he fights That's... on December the 8th, which is Lomachenko's undercard, and Dogby comes out there giving it the old rap, you know where you saw it first with the fight disciples, all right? So Absolutely. That, that'll be up on your YouTube on Wednesday, so go and have a little bit of a nosy. This one, though, is, uh, is uh, coming in your ears, literally coming in your ears, because we are talking right now about mighty... More, eh? You better believe it. Super Spunk was at it on Friday night, wasn't it? Into the early hours of Saturday morning. I'm there. I get up. It was beautiful, right? Because I I didn't check my phone on Saturday morning. I just went straight to the planner, stuck the fight on. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know. Didn't know anything about it. It was like watching it in real time. Normally, I kind of know the results and I... Have a, an idea of how the fight's gone, so I fast forward various bits because uh-huh. there's so much to get through. But because this was in Friday night into Saturday morning, I thought I'll just enjoy this. Sit there, beautiful. My little girl's gone off to Bali. My little lad's messing about on his iPad. Perfect, wicked. Gets in there. Firstly, what a fight! Brilliant. It was absolutely outstanding. Yeah. I apologise now to Alex Sosedo for turning an interview down with him last week because it would have been lovely to have a little bit of a conversation because he's real. Yeah. Shit. But mighty more. Is even realer. How long are them arms, baby? Get on the end of them, bad boys. Absolute superb. And the finish, fuck me, get the sock out. It, no, were, no. it was top class, wasn't it? Really good. Really, Brilliant. really good. And now, bring on Tommy Coyle. T- fucking. <laughs> we'll come on to Tommy Coyle, literally. <laughs> we will be coming on to Tommy Coyle. Can you imagine? Like some type of Bukaki video. You lie down, Tom. <laughs> but that, uh, Again, you're watching him. You're watching Mighty Mo fight. 
with those big long evers. You know, when you stand across a ring from him, you must think he's fucking not of this guy. He's tall, he's wispy. Yeah, mm. he's got long arms, but... and, then, and then he doesn't move his feet, and he still hits you exactly <laughs> from and across think, the ring. <laughs> but it's the power he generates with those long levers. It's Thomas Ayn style power. Now I know that's a fucking massive shout, and I'm not for a second saying that Morris Hooker's the mighty more is of Thomas Ayn. Tom- <laughs> However, what I am saying is. Similar to Thomas Haynes. style. Them long arms, he just fucking whips them in and the power he generates mm. from it. Unreal. And I'm watching it and watching various people in the crowd standing up and jumping. Women in the crowd are literally orgasming yeah. as fucking Moe's letting it, it go. Trying to catch that spunk. And I'm like, mate, you want to have a pregnancy test tomorrow morning when you get home because Mighty Mo turned up and threw it about yeah, yeah. the Chesapeake Arena in style. Quality. That, that's why he was being... Let's face it, he's been our breakthrough star of 2018, hasn't he, in boxing world. He has been the fucking main man. Most people didn't know who Mighty Mo was at the start of the year. No. And now we know. Now we know. He's the father of 18 children, <laughs> and he's the fucking WBO world champion. Yeah, man. And he's about 24. He's fucking ace. <laughs> he's fucking ace. He, we absolutely he, love him. And he messages us every single week. So, Mark, exactly. Super Monster. Spunk himself. Super Spunk did the The socks are coming. We've got to fucking get these branded socks done. Mm. I promise you they will be available. Mm. Probably not by this Christmas, maybe next Christmas. You can't we'll definitely you, get them. Yeah, you can only get your feet in halfway because the bottom's sealed. <laughs> There's a crust at Crusty. the bottom. There's a crust at the bottom. You can't get your feet in proper. <laughs> but it's all right. <laughs> coming on to Tommy Coyle, that's a fucking legit shout. Tommy Coyle is right well, in the on, frame. Hang on, right. Let's not get carried away. He's in the frame. I know he's in the frame. The reason why he's in the frame is because he's Eddie's mate, mm-hmm. right? And he's having this lovely little bit of renaissance at this moment in time. I'm yep. not throwing shade on Tommy. Love you to bits. And I'd love you to get a world title shot. But there's a geezer in your camp, mate, who I called as my prospect of not this year, just gone the year previous, yep. who's very highly ranked with the WBO and smashing through every man and his dog that puts in front of him. His name is Jack Catterall. Mm-hmm. I personally think Jack deserves the shop um, yep, you're before, right. before Tommy. However, he's not an Eddie Hearn fighter. Exactly. So therefore... Kind of like Brexit. <laughs> There's a lot of politics involved here. It's not as straightforward as you think. Mm. Yes, Jack Cattrall deserves a shot probably more than Tommy Coyle. However, Jack Cattrall plays over here mm-hmm. and Tommy Coyle he's plays like, over there Jackson with the zone. Yeah, he's not playing with the cool kids, is he? That's, Jack, you need to go hang out with some cool kids to get that shot, that's mate. That's it. Jack's, Jack's tied in with a deal which is with Frank Warren in the UK, BT Sports, and if you like in America, mm. probably top rank. Mm. Whereas, and, but, and, and part of that BT Sport deal, there's, I think there's about five fighters on the list. Jack is on the list, so he has to fight on BT. Absolutely. He can't yeah, go yeah. fight no, anywhere he can't. else. No, no, he can't. Um, but those fights could go on in top rank in America. So if, if Mo was with top rank, then potentially it could happen, except except Mo is with Matchroom, he's with DAZN, mm. another world title defence here. I know this fight was on ESPN in America, but it was only because they won the pace bids. So was that a, was that, was Sucido, was that a mandatory Sucido? I'm yeah. guessing it was. Yeah, yeah. So now Moe's got a, a voluntary. That's it. And I think that's what opens the door for Tommy Coyle. That's it. I would not be surprised. Obviously, I've seen Tommy Coyle over the weekend absolutely begging for it. Uh, I've seen Steve Wood as manager saying, fucking waiting for the phone to ring, Mr. Eddie Hearn. Mm. And Eddie Hearn, if you're going to sell that to Moe Hooker, listen, Moe, voluntary for you, yeah? Works on both... Co- oh, my God, I've literally just got a fucking boner. Go on. What if Moe Tommy Coyle happens in the UK? Oh, my days. Holy shit. I don't think it will. Holy shit! I don't think it will because he's signed. No, to, no, they've got to build them. They're building them in the US, the, of course. And it's a, he's a, he's, they've got a limited stable of DAZN fighters at the moment, so it's over there. But yeah. if that happens in Hull, fuck me, fuck me! Imagine how many pregnant women would leave that arena in Hull. 
because Mighty Mo's throwing it about. Absolutely. Uh, listen, you know what? Right here, right now, I think that is the. I think he's the favourite. I think Tommy Coyle is the favourite mm. to get the fight with Mo Hooker. Mm. Because I think Mo Hooker takes that all day. Yeah, of course he does. Of course he does. Eddie threw a, a couple of other names like Jorge Linares around. And yeah. I think that they were smoke screens. They're, they're yeah, your yeah. red herrings. Let's put them out there. And the one coming in through the back door is Tommy Coyle. It, yeah. I think it will be. Because Tommy Coyle will take fans as well. Yes, he will. Half a fucking hole will go away, go over to the uh, And nobody's the listen, arena. again. Nobody's begrudging Tommy Cole getting a shot at the world God, title. No. Is it like I say? Is it? Is in that period of his career now where everybody wants Tommy Coyle to get that shot, that one final swan song, whether it be a world title shot or a massive payday. This is it. This yeah. is where it's at, and I don't think there'll ever be a better opportunity for him to get that type no. of shot, especially with him being connected to Eddie and where <clears> Moore's <throat> at at this moment in time. It just sits quite nicely. Well, I've got to be honest. Tommy Coyle has become. I, I don't. I don't. You know, fucking put past shade on Tommy Coyle at all. But like at the start of this year. Last year, remember, I was really campaigning hard for Super Sam Eggington to get a chance like this. Yeah, I was like, this is it. He's a firework. This is as good as it's going to get, as bright as it's going to get. Let's get him to America for a fucking big fight. He deserves it. Because what he's done is incredible to get to where he is. And Tommy Coyle, suddenly finding himself and realising how good he is. He's in his Indian summer. This is as good as it's going to get. Don't don't match him now with a fucking a domestic one no. here. Don't throw him in with Lewis Ritson or Let's anything like that. Do it. Go, go, Mawaka. Go down that road. This is his one opportunity. That's it. He's got to push for it 100%. I think he will get it. Mm. Hopefully. Mm. Um, Where are you at with... I know this is jumping shows now, but I've just seen a picture of him on my phone. So where are you at with Big Baby? Big baby. Where are you at with him? I'm still in exactly the same place I was at before because Bogdan fucking Dinu <laughs> and has padded out 18-0 records. Mm. That showed me nothing, that. Just some fucking big lurch character in the opposite corner who looked like he learned how to throw hands last week. Really disappointed with, with Dinu. Even though his record... On paper, I was thinking, all right, yeah, this is a decent fight. He's undefeated. He's 18 fights. Got quite a few knockouts. Come on, man. Uh, but then when I looked at his record, I was like, hmm, fight before last, he beat a guy who was two and one. <laughs> and now he's fighting fucking Jarrell Miller in what we're being told is some kind of... World title. And NABA American heavyweight title slash WBO world title eliminator bullshit. And as soon as I watched it, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, state of dinner. So I'm, I'm kind of in the same place where Jarrell Miller... I still think he needs a decent test. I still think think he like I'd like to see him fight on UK shores because there's plenty of opponents out there for him. Him saying he wants the winner of Chisora White, I think that's bullshit because you know di- fucking poor Dillian. Like how many eliminators has yeah, Dillian yeah, yeah. got to win before he actually gets a world title fight? Uh-huh. So hopefully that's not the case. Um, and I don't think Jarrell Miller deserves to jump ahead of either Dillian White or Chisora. Whoever wins that fight for me fights AJ, AJ in April. That's mm-hmm. it. Whoever wins that in December will fight AJ in April. Mm. Jarrell Miller doesn't deserve to jump the queue. I'd like to see Jarrell Miller fight on the undercard. I'd like to see Jarrell Miller on an AJ undercard doing against someone decent. And I know we mentioned David Price's name. I know Price is in camp for December the 22nd. Can Miller could certainly do that. Type. Whether that's whether that's a fight that could happen at such late night notice, I don't know. Whether even Pricey would want that at this stage in his career. But, you know, Pricey's last fight, he lost to Pavekin. Pavekin for AJ. So that's why Miller's calling out Pricey. I don't think it's anything personal against David Price. I think he thinks, you beat that guy, you fight AJ. That's it. Someone else has just done it. I can do the same thing. Mm. Regarding the April 13th thing, 
I, I'm, I'm with you. I think it will be Dillian White if he comes through the Derek Chisora fight. And to be fair, probably Derek Chisora if he comes through the Dillian White fight. To win a fight, AJ. Mainly because the majority of things are now going to be decided by December the 1st. Yes. What, what Tyson Fury does in that fight is kind of going to distinguish where we go over the next 12 months in the heavyweight division. Mm-hmm. Tyson pulls this off. There'll be a rematch. Therefore, that ties them two lads up for a period of time. AJ's then going to go and find himself a different opponent. We think it's going to come from December the 22nd. However, I've been seeing loads of different bits of interviews this week with uh, Eddie Hearn. And you know what Eddie's like. Sometimes he just chucks red earrings yeah, out yeah. there. Sometimes it's smoke screens and all that type of stuff. But he's talking about wild card interest um, for fighting Anthony Joshua at Wembley. No shit, I'm fucking interested in fighting him. If you're going to pay me 10 million quid, yeah. I'll get in there and let him kick Close the shit out of me. You know what I mean? I'll take uh-huh. that risk. Um, but there are rumours starting to really come come with a little bit of credibility now regarding the wild cards that are interested in it. Yeah. Now, a lot of people are talking about Andre Wood, right? No chance. I don't think there's a chance. No chance. I don't think it's that. <clears throat> but I've, <clears throat> I've heard on good authority that Vitali. As yeah, that's that was the one I was thinking of. As one of put, the Klitschko's has put his hat in the ring. Yeah. I mean, he mentioned it a year ago, and then it's kind of gone down. Yeah, and I've heard off a couple of geezers that I respect in the business that yeah, Vitali's made the approach and they're, t- they're starting to talk about the possibility of maybe do it. There's a narrative there of maybe avenging his brother's loss and all that type of stuff, and it's also an opportunity for Tali to uh, to get hold of belts that he kind of couldn't get his hands on because his brother had him tied up. You know yeah. what I mean? Um. So for me, the wild card, that's the one that I'm leaning more towards. Listen, we're not on. I've, I ain't got no confirmation. This I'm not speaking to Vitaly. He's not told me that this is happening. But that's the one that I, that's the one that I would lean towards. If it's not going to be a Dillian White, I, I still think it's going to be a Dillian White. Yeah. But I'm leaning towards that's, at the wild cards, Vitaly. Yeah, yeah. I'd seen people talking about Usyk. Never going to happen. Never, happening. never ever going to happen. Get that out your head. April next year, maybe. April, sorry, April 2020. That's Usyk time. That's when Usyk might step up. Mm. But in the meantime, absolutely not. No chance. The Klitschko is a good shout. You know, uh, either Klitschko, I think, makes sense for April. Um, but it just depends what shape they can get in. Mm. When was the last time Vitaly threw hands? Fucking long time ago. Mm. So, but does that sell bigger than a, a Dillian White or a Derek Chisora winner? Potentially it does, I would say. Potentially it does, with it yeah. being a Klitschko. He's still got that name and everything else, the, the legacy that goes with it. So... But again, I just don't think you're right. We won't hear any movement at all on AJ until after until December the second, because if on December the first, Deontay Wilder does indeed catch and finish Tyson Fury, then the push for a Deontay Wilder fight will be absolutely huge. But that only happens if the one thing that I believe won't happen, and that's Deontay Wilder finishes the fight in sensational fashion, mm. then the clamour for it would be absolutely massive. Obviously, all next week's programmes um, from Fight Disciples are going to be dedicated to um, Tyson Fury versus uh, Deontay Wilder. And I had an, just on it quickly because I had a conversation with someone at the weekend about that particular fight and whether who's going to win, right? You get it asked all the time. Obviously, people come up to you and say, what do you reckon? Can Tyson Fury do it and all this type yep. of stuff? And, <clears throat> and my attitude with it is, I said, if we were having this conversation three years ago, mate, it's not even a debate. No. He'll, he just mugs him off. He absolutely spoils the fight and mugs him off. The only thing that he's playing in the back of my mind is what we saw with Tony, for example, when he's uh, cut weight, runs out of gas. And we see it with many, many fighters when they come back down in weight in order to make things happen. The gas tank runs out. It's not there for him at six, seven and eight. Is it going to be there at six, seven and eight for Tyson Fury? Because I think he plays with him for six rounds. Absolutely. 
as he as he's whatever he wants to do. Tyson Fury does whatever he wants to do for six yeah. rounds. But then is the fitness there? The but, difference is though. Bell, you had to work against Usyk from the very first. Bell, you had to work because Usyk's footwork was so good. Bell, you had to work to keep him off. I think Fury is just a by far better boxer than Wilder, and in doing so, he won't have to work. He can be on the back foot. He can. You'll read a lot of Wilder stuff. I know Wilder's absolutely fucking mental. Throws just mental shots from and he's everywhere. A, and he's a fit lad, mate. He can, oh, he's he absolutely to, fit. Remember if, the fucking last fight? He was yeah. just unreal. Yeah, if he wants to put the foot down, he can. So if he wants to make him work, he can. He can. Listen, yeah, but Fury will tie him up. Fury's so big and so strong. He can tie him up. He can spoil the fight. He can spoil his way through rounds. Mm. And don't forget, Tyson's a fucking big man. And having him tie you up and lean on you and... That's gonna that's gonna suck the energy out of Wilder, you know. Ortiz at times was standing and trading with Wilder, and it was great. It was entertaining. Fury won't do that, man. Fury's not gonna go toe to toe with Deontay Wilder. Absolutely no chance. Mm. What Fury'll do is he'll fucking frustrate him and bamboozle him, and he'll he'll just push that big long jab into his face, throw the occasional right hand, be loads of movements, loads of body work. He'll, it wouldn't surprise me if the two of them went over the top rope once or twice. It'll, just, it'll be that kind of fight. That yeah. The closer it gets, I know we're going to focus on it next week, because yeah. obviously you're fucking all over it. The closer we get, the more convinced I am. The more I'm just like, this is going to be a complete and utter shutout. Just a quick one then. What uh, do you make of Freddie Roach coming into Titans camp? I think it was inevitable that someone was going to come in. You know, Apparently Ben's come out and said that he was the one that invited Freddie yeah, in. Yeah. And he is just the cut man. But there's no there's way. No way there's no the way he's man. just the cut man. He's there because there's no experience in Ben Davidson's corner. He's done, he's, what's he done in the past? He's done a couple of comeback f- fights with Tyson. He did that one fight with Billy Joe Saunders. That's pretty much it. Mm. You know, and the, everyone keeps saying, "Oh, yeah, but he's an absolute boxer man. He's an absolute boxer man." I get it. You know, listen, he might be the biggest fucking boxer man in the world. He might know everyone's style inside and out. But he's never fucking had a fighter walk out for the ninth round after climbing up off the floor in a world title fight with tellies everywhere, with a bad left hand, with a cut over his right eye. In that moment, he's never managed that moment to go, this is what you do, this is how you stay cool. He might be the coolest fella in the world. Ben Davidson might might go on to become the fucking greatest trainer we've ever seen. But right here, right now, he's a complete novice going into the biggest fight of the year. Mm. And that's why Freddie Roach has been brought in. Mm. Makes absolute sense. Of course it does. I know we've just been speaking about Tyson's weight, but uh, Frankie Gavin's weight seems to be uh, a thing that we speak about on a regular basis. The sky is blue, water is wet, Frankie Gavin misses weight. And he didn't just miss weight, he annihilated missing weight by about five or six pounds. This was his opportunity. European champion, in uh, the European champion's backyard, the geezer is an absolute killer, as we're going to talk about in a minute. But what is it with Frankie? Let's let's go back to 2008. Frankie Gavin... Billy Joe Saunders, James DeGale, out of all of those, and we know what James and Billy have gone on to go and do, we would have sat here, yeah. right, and gone, he's the most talented, the little one. Yeah, absolutely. And he's just, well, he's not pissed it away, he's fucking eating it away, hasn't he? Yeah. He's just, he's just his attitude towards his ta- the talent that he's been God-given, he's, 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 it baffles me, mate. Absolutely baffles me. He's always been known as fun time, obviously. And, you know, he, he got that nickname for reason. He likes to fuck about and play around and for me what he's missed he's missed to being part of a camp or having a coach that he's scared of do you know what I mean he's missed that student teacher kind of dynamic yeah with Frankie it's always been like 
he's based out of Birmingham. He's a superstar in Birmingham. You know, he's a superstar in his own little clique, Kings Eve or whatever he's from. And the thing with Frankie is I've known him for a long time. I've known him since way before he won his amateur worlds when he was in Liverpool, fighting in multi-nations and all that. He always, you know, a lot of the Liverpool lads who were on the same camp of him spoke really highly. I've always had great interactions with him. He's a fucking lovely lad. Yeah, and he yeah. does love boxing. But he just hasn't got that eye of the tiger mentality you need to make it as a pro. He just hasn't got that bit of focus that you need to to be able to say no and to live like a monk. And to th- he doesn't seem to see the bigger picture of, you know, live like a monk now, make the sacrifices now and live the rest of your life as a champion. Yeah. He just hasn't got that mentality. He always, He's always trying to cut corners. He's always trying to, you know, because of his talents, because he's Frankie Gavin, it seems like he's, he feels like the world owes him something a little bit. So it's like, well, if I miss weight, I miss weight. But, you know, it's no, like no one's, the world doesn't owe you nothing. Yeah. You've got to fucking go on in this. And let's be honest, since he since he got beat up by Sam Eggington, for me, that should have been the reality check. That was the moment where he should have gone, fuck's sake. I'm, I, I was the one destined to become a world champion. And yet I've just lost it in a battle of Birmingham to a kid from across town who, I'll be honest, Five years ago, wouldn't be fit to fucking lace my boots. Wouldn't have even been a sparring partner for me because I was so far ahead of that level. Mm. And yet his will and determination, his will has outshone my skill because he wants it more than I want it. And if that wasn't a reality check, then he goes away. Yes, he has three wins, but all on small hall shows, all against pretty much journeyman level fighters, you know, club level fighters. And then this European title shot kind of comes from nowhere. Yeah, it was probably a, you know, Laranja probably picked him out as a, as a as a voluntary, mm-hmm. but still, when that fight got announced, Frankie should have thought, "This is it. This is the moment I've been waiting for. This is my moment." Goodbye to family. Goodbye to everyone. I'd have just fucking put, picked up the phone to anyone, Caldwell, one of the Liverpool, co- anyone outside of Birmingham, and just gone right. Can I come and train with you for ten weeks or eight weeks or whatever? And fucking, I'll rent a hotel round the corner. I'll do. Bellew's a multi-millionaire and he's doing that. Andy Joshua's a fucking multi-multi-millionaire and he fucks off to Sheffield and lives in a little travel hotel. If Frankie Gavin wanted it, he should have gone to his coaches, fuck it, I'm going to Scotland, I'm going to go and work with Danny Vaughan in Glasgow, I'm going to rent a fucking little flat and I'm going to do it for eight weeks and I'm going to get... the Because the ability's there, the talent is in there mm. somewhere. He just doesn't want it. As, as you, this was his moment. Yeah, as you saw in the fight though, I mean, the fight only lasted four rounds he and he ended... He fucking winning the fight. Mate, he was outskilling... Kerman Laranja, he was. Nice I mean, thank you. He, you've been hanging with Gareth A. Davies. He was taking some serious whacks, and all right, the, at the end, the body shot just absolutely crucified him. We've all been there when we've had uh, took one in the nuts or took one in the. Yeah. Right. You know what? You know what a body shot does you for when you haven't done the weight. Of right. course, that's it. I've cut that. The, the, not fucking daft. Yeah. He was seeing the kid coming in at five pounds extra, going, he struggled like fuck here, right? Yeah. I just, I'm just going to chop his tree down. But during the fight, that four rounds. Frankie's the better fighter. Absolutely. Yeah. That must be so frustrating. But it was the it was the same at times against Sam Eggington. Yeah. When it was at range, he's picking Sam off. Mm. But when Sam put his head on his chest, he didn't like it and he couldn't keep him off because mm. he wanted it more. Mm. And that's the frustrating thing with Frankie. You know, there's been so many boxers with so much talent over the last 20 years that I've covered that you just think, if you had that eye of the tiger, you need... You know, fucking Ricky Atom wasn't the most skillful fighter, but he wanted it more than anybody else. He wanted it. Don't get me wrong, he was fucking brilliant. But he wanted it more than anybody else. Like Nas, like Floyd Mayweather. All the talent in the world's there, but no one has to drag them to the gym. No one no. has to say, don't eat that fucking Scotch egg. 
They, they, they want it more than anybody. They want it themselves. No one has to look over their shoulder. And unfortunately, Frankie seems to have always needed that. And that's what frustrates me, the fact that he's never gone, right, I'm leaving Birmingham. I'm going to go and do my camps here and get it all looking after. I'm going to go with someone, you know, Tony Sims or whatever. There's all parts of the country he could have gone. Could have gone fucking anyways, Frankie Gavin. Mm. He's got the talent. People know the talent's there. He just doesn't want it. Imagine if he had Crawler's attitude. Exactly. Crawler, Crawler you could count 20. You could count 20 fighters whose attitude he needs. Imagine if he was had the mentality of Ricky Burns. Imagine if he had the mentality of fucking, you know, any. there's so many of them out there. Yeah. So, look at all the champions. They've all got that mentality. And yet, you could pretty much reel them all off. And as amateurs, Frankie was better than them all. Hmm. Frustrating. Um, I know that um, we're, we've used our socks this, uh, this weekend on more. Um, but how excited did you get when you saw Errol Spence Jr.? And Terence Crawford going at it, going at it, just yeah. putting a little bit of friendly at the start. Well, that was, was that in canvas? That was ringside, wasn't it? Yeah, it yeah. Because Terence Crawford, mates, aren't they? Yeah. Well, Terence is a mate of Mo's. I'm we're trying yeah. to set it up. We're all going to get the socks out together. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, TC rocked up to watch uh, his mate fight. Yeah. Errol was in uh, in town. Obviously, he's just announced his Mikey Garcia fight. Yeah. Terence gets in there and starts giving him some shit. What are you fighting a fucking lightweight for, man? And he starts giving him a little bit of jip, and it goes back and forth. That's the fight. Absolutely. I don't give a shit what anybody what says. Fight. That is well, the <clears throat> fight. This is the frustrating thing. Errol Spence, Terence Crawford, and Mikey Garcia, Vassal Lomachenko. <sighs> they're the two biggest fights to make in world boxing outside of the heavyweight division. They're the two biggest fights to make. And we're getting a, a crossover breed, yeah. of the other two. Don't get me wrong. It's still great. Both go back in the opposite direction. Yeah, Those fights great. are still there. But what if Errol Spence loses to fucking Mikey Garcia? What does that do to the Terence Crawford well, that, fight? Fucks it up completely. Well, it fucks, fucks them all it. up. Yeah, fucks it all up. Because Mikey don't come back. Mikey's probably never come back down to fight Lomachenko. Yeah. So, <clears throat> frustrating in that regard, but yeah, wicked. It was a good card, that in canvas, actually. What's the make of Clarissa Shields? Yeah. What do you make of her? Mate, I think she's top class. I've said that. I thought that she might have uh, maybe finished the fight, yeah. but she absolutely battered the kid to unify the division. What was it, 100 uh, to 90 points or something like that. They got, like, yeah, you, you, she won listen, every round. You, you, you've said this. I don't oh. think that was a fair reflection of Hannah Rankin, though. I think she done fucking great to keep going, keep mm. motivated, but you've Shields said, is a level above. Yeah, but you've said this on many occasions regarding women's boxing. Let's extend it to three minutes yeah, because exactly. we would see far more finishes. We talked yes. about it with, with Katie Taylor. Yep. Clarissa's exactly the same. She's just, that last 30 seconds of the round, it's just starting to go a bit and you're thinking, she needs another minute here. Yeah, yeah, just exactly. to pick, Just to pick the pick this kid to pieces but then it's over and then yep. the kid can go and get her head screwed back on and she's back out for the next round that's why you get a lot of distance shouts yep. in women's fights it's a shame really they should go three minutes I don't get it I don't. I honestly don't understand why we don't get three minute rounds I think it's quite patronising to women's boxing to go oh yeah you girls haven't got what are you saying you haven't got the fitness or are we trying to avoid stoppages why are we trying to avoid stoppages Mm. what's the difference between women getting stopped and men getting stopped mm. it, it, it feels quite patronising towards women's boxing it doesn't happen in MMA no women's fights in MMA exactly the same as the men's five minute rounds yeah I, I just don't understand it and for me it is it's bottle capping the growth of women's boxing yeah because we aren't getting to see Clarissa Shields put people away Casey Taylor love watching her but you know you better have, you better go and have a piss before Casey, Casey Taylor gets in the ring because you're sitting there for 10, 12 rounds. Likewise, Clarissa Shields. Mm. We need to get women's boxing to three-minute rounds. Adam, make that happen. I'll have a go. Make yeah. it so. Um, was the Gabe Rosado fight a draw? Um, He's adamant that it wasn't, right? And yeah. to be fair, I can feel... 
I thought he'd done enough, but I thought yeah. it was close. Yeah, it was a close fight. Yeah. And maybe I, I maybe I was being a bit favourable with my scoring because I like Gabe. Yeah, yeah. He's been over too. here a couple of times and he's spoke. Thanks, lad. Yeah, he's a top boy. He's absolutely distraught. Not distraught, that's wrong. Angry is probably the better word. Uh, what were it? 116, 112. Yeah. One each way and then a 114, 114. It amazes me some scoring sometimes. Yeah. 150, I think all draws should be 115, 113, right? All draws. Yeah, 115, 113, one fighter each. Yeah. And then, obviously, a 114 apiece, right? 116, 112 insinuates that one fighter's won it, for me, quite comfortably. Yeah, yeah. So how can you have... Right, you think he's won it quite comfortably, and he thinks he's won it quite comfortably. I don't get that. No. No. It's, four, you... it's a four-round swing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two different people. I don't understand that. One-round swing, I, sound. I think, I think we're judging... You know, you've got to, you've got to, four rounds is way too much, you're right. But you've got to also appreciate that the three judges sit on three different sides of the ring as well. Yeah. You know, so we, I was talking about this in the Bellew fight. It was like Bellew against Usyk. Bellew threw like a, like a right hand left, whatever it was. And I was chatting with, with Chris Walker and he threw the shot and the crowd went mental. Yeah, yeah. But where we were sitting, you could see that it didn't quite catch Usyk. It missed them. Yeah. But everyone blew up. And Chris went, that just fucking missed that. And I went, yeah, but hopefully the judges didn't see that. Because if they're sitting on the other three sides of the ring, that they're not getting the same view we have. It may have looked, because the way Usyk snapped his head back, it looked like Bellew had caught him on the gym. So there is a different point of view. That, But to have a four-round swing is kind of fucking mental. Mm. That's like a completely different fight. Mm. But yeah, you know what? I wasn't, you know, I could see why Gabe was upset. Because this is a fight that he needed to win to keep himself in the frame. Yeah, fair point. But it is what it is. What about Anthony Sims Jr.? I like that kid. And do you know why I like him? Because I saw that interview. I think... Uh, oh, with Coogan Cassius. Yeah, Coogan. That was fucking excellent. Coogan did an interview with him. Yeah. And I watched that. And don't get me wrong, I've, I've watched him fight before, but I've never really watched him speak before or had any yeah. interaction with him. And I watched that interview and I thought, fuck me, man. Yeah. <laughs> right in the back of my throat. That's not more, by the way. That's. <laughs> but it was right in the back of my throat. And I thought to myself... You can't help but root for kids like that. Yeah. When you see when you see people speak in that way, you can't help but root for them. So I ended up watching that fight. Listen, he looked like he d- didn't even need a fucking shower. Did he didn't he? even. He didn't even get. In, he didn't even. Uh, you know, wasn't even heavy breathing. No. Second round stoppage. He literally wasn't even out of breath. No. But he's a great addition to that weight division, mate. Yeah. He's very exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. I think. Uh, and he's going to get a lot of fans. If people watch that video, they're going to get a lot of. He's going to get people adhere to that type of thing, of don't they? You know what I mean? He, he's like. You can see a lot yourself in him. He's, there's, there's a realness about it. You know what I mean? People who've gone through the things that he's gone through, you're going to go, yeah, he's my man. Yeah. He's championing this for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, it, you know, the ability is certainly there as well. Uh, I didn't realise he was Floyd Mayweather's cousin. Mm. They said that on commentary. Mm. But um, I think he looks he looks very good. He's, he's obviously far superior to this level, and I'd really like to see him. I know he had a lot of time off because of managerial issues, everything else, but now he's with Eddie, now he's with the zone uh, and Matchroom USA. I really want to see him move along and push on quickly. I'd love to see him out again before the end of the year because I say he wasn't even out of breath there. Mm. And I think a title shot uh, early in the new year can't be a million miles away. Mm. So, um, Before we move on to fights this weekend, uh, the British Boxing Board of Control have ordered some fights. Sadly, you're not going to get to see any of them. Uh, <laughs> mainly because I just don't think that they are going to happen at this stage of these fighters' careers. I hope they do, because yep. every single one of them is a beaut. For example, Huey Fury, Joe Joyce. Out of all the ones that have been ordered, that might be the one that has the best chance. Huey Fury against Joe Joyce. Obviously, Joe's doing his thing with Al Heyman now over in the States. Huey Fury coming off the back of a, a world title 
eliminator with the Kubrat Pulev that didn't necessarily go his way. Uh, Daniel Dubois, Nathan Gorman, not a cat and else chance. It ain't happening yet, mate. Nope. That, that, Gorman's, Gorman's been asking for that fight Gorman for wants it. Gorman's gagging, right? Yeah. And I think that Daniel Dubois would take it, but there ain't no chance that of Frank risking that fight. There's no point at the moment because both of them are you know, both of them are being built up to be future heavyweight mm. champions, so mm. it would make no sense for them to fight now in, in Frank's world. Mm. But I would love to see it. Uh, the other one that I want to talk about, every, the, others, the others, I think there's about six or seven that have been ordered. There's a chance for the majority of them, but the ones that I'm talking about now, I don't think there will be a chance. Callum Johnson, Josh Boatze. Now, Callum's obviously the British champion. When I've spoken to him in the past, Listen, the guy's got a taste for having to go at world titles yeah, now. Yeah. He'll he's, give that up. Yeah, he's got a right little lick of it, you know what I mean? And he, yeah. he, everybody knows that he put in a proper performance against Peterbiev. So therefore, I think he's got tastes of doing that. Now, I might be speaking out of turn, but I think Callum will chuck that yeah. and move on to maybe another world title eliminator or improving his ranking once again to become a mandatory challenger yeah. at, at world level. And that's no shade on Josh because that fight, you know what we think about Josh Boatze, that fight, Callum Johnson, Josh Boatze, is like, we're going to need two socks for that. Yeah, yeah. That's proper stuff. It is. Um, but I don't think it'll happen yet. I think it might happen down the line, but I don't think it'll happen yet. No, I think big Frank Buglioni's out this weekend, isn't he, in, in Monaco, which yeah. we'll come on to shortly. And yeah, I think yeah. Buglioni against Buatti for the vacant belt would make more sense, as you say. Callum Johnson's moved on now, and you know it's not even worth mentioning Anthony Yard in the Lonsdale belt picture because... He's another one that's being taken on a different kind of journey. He's on Tyson's undercard now. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Anthony is, Ameri- is that his American debut? No, he uh, he's made his debut. Obviously, already, but this is like I think he's only been out there one one time previous. So he's out he's out there this time. He did, yeah, Arlington. Oh, that's right on the uh, Tyson Fury Deontay Wild undercard. You mentioned Frank Bullioni's name there, right? And you, that's a shout, Frank Bullioni, Joshua Boatsy for the vacant title, if Callum decides to bin it, right? Yeah. But he's in a fight this weekend. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's Frank Bullioni. This yeah. is all happening in Monaco this weekend. He's taking on Fanlong Meng, right? 13-0, eight knockouts. I've seen lots of tape of this kid. He's decent. He is, yeah. Frank's in a proper little knock, and he's going to have to be razor sharp. I mean, we saw what Callum did uh, to Frank. I just hope that there's not any uh, lasting psychological damage of that fight. He needs to be on it from the first bell. Otherwise, he could be on the wrong end of a decision here. No, I know, yeah. The, the Chinese kid's a fucking big, audible southpaw. Yeah, you know, yeah. He's big, awkward southpaw. He's undefeated. Um, and the kid travels as well. He hasn't just fought in China. He's fought all over America and shit like that. So mm. he's uh, he'll certainly be coming to win. Is it the IBF continental belt or something like something that's on random. the line or some kind of the, IBF. The, There's the, an IBF it's ranking It's the Matalan. There. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. There's an IBF ranking, upper stakes anyway. So, you know, Frank bounced back last time out and if he wants to stay in the title picture, he needs to do a performance here. But you're right, That's for me, that's a, it's a real pick on the card. Obviously, the main event is the one, though. Gal mm. fight against that Israel Gonzalez. Is yeah, it's a great fight. Little fight. Um, one fight that I was actually looking forward to was seeing Gilles Zhang, seeing as we were speaking about Asian fighters. I mean, yeah. everybody's talking about this geezer being legit, but he, he's got visa issues, so he's not going to be on this card in Monaco at the weekend against Alex Ustinov. Michael Hunter, who we saw against Bacoli, when Bacoli threw his shoulder out, and, he, and obviously uh, Michael Hunter, who stepped up to heavyweight, who gave him a little bit of a lesson a couple of months back, or a couple of weeks back, should I say. Uh, he's stepping in for Gilles Zhang at last minute. Uh, notification to take on Alex Usanoff, so that's on there. Uh, Danny Arjeli Usanoff is also on this card, so you're in for a treat if you're over in, in Monaco. Yep. And uh, Dennis Lebedev, who has been uh, champion in recess for about 16 years, um, is also back in action, taking on Mike Wilson. Um, but like you say, Cal Yafai is the main, it, that's the main attraction uh, for Monaco. Now, with Cal Yafai, obviously 
the Superflies are absolutely red hot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of red hot talent in this particular division. I would love, love for him to get rung beside. Yeah, exactly. That's the one, isn't it? Of course it is. That's the fight in this division. I mean, Absolutely. don't forget, don't get me wrong, Chocolatito's just come back and he looked razor sharp in his last fight. So maybe that could be something for Cal to be looking at. I think they've spoken about that previously, haven't they? But to unify the division against Rung Versailles, yeah. that's the challenge for me for Cal. Because every time I watch him fight, he's, he's street levels above everybody else, mate. So and he'll that, be street levels above this kid that we've yeah, well, like. he will be. But now's the time to really kick on. You've got to get your... I know they're only little lads and they might not necessarily pull in the major crowds and they might not be knocking dudes out for fun. But what's the point? It's like when we speak in the UFC about Demetrius Johnson. Yeah. What's the point unless there's the challenge there now? The challenge is Rung Visay. Go and get Rung Visay. And yeah, it might cost Eddie a few quid. Yeah. But go and get it him because that's the fight. And I think everybody who knows the boxing will fucking have a... Again, get the socks out for it, won't they? Because yeah. they'll be buzzing for it. Well, I think... What Eddie's doing here by putting Cal as main event in Monaco as well, he's trying to build him up. It's up to it's up to Cal Yafai now to deliver. Mm. You know, we we know he's got the ability, but he's got to deliver and do it in style. Mm. He's got to capture the attention of the home audience. So there's something there to build. Obviously, it's live on Sky Sports on Saturday night. I think it's live internationally as well. I don't know whether the zone are picking it yeah. up or whatever, but you know, it, there'll be a good. There's a good undercard. Lebedev and you know. Yulasenov uh, on the undercard are big names, big growing names in Eastern Europe. So this is a big opportunity for Kalia fight. But again, he's got to turn up and he? he's got to do it. He's got to do it in style mm. and then call out Rung Versailles. Let's make this fight happen. Let's try and unite this flyweight division. I thought the World Boxing Super Series might have jumped on the flyweights this this year just because the Chocolatito Rung Versailles mm. triple header put them on both the sides of the drawer. I, th- I thought that could have made sense. And you're right, the flyweights don't necessarily make that much money, so it's easy to pull that tournament together. But I think Cal is in a position now where he needs to be pushing on. and It's tough for the flyweights. You know, I, I followed a brilliant British flyweight called Peter Culshaw throughout his world title reign a few years ago. And, you know, he went over to South Africa and beat baby Jake Masala, who at the time was like, he was the rung Versailles of, of the day. He was the best flyweight on the planet, generating big, you know, big interest, massive in South Africa. And Culshaw went over there and beat him. And, you know, he was fighting in Liverpool all the time. But he just didn't make any money, mm. you know. He's driving around Liverpool City Centre now and you know, drives an Uber taxi. And he's been doing that for well over 10 years. It just didn't make any money at all. But that's the problem with flyweights. You know, it's hard enough to make a, a good living from boxing that you never have to work again anyway. Very few people do it. But if you're a flyweight, you may as well forget it. You know, Kevin Satchel from Liverpool, in fact, was British Commonwealth and European flyweight champion. But was it, could earn more money working? getting a full-time job, so he quit. Mm. He quit boxing. As the British Commonwealth European champion, he quit, he walked away because he wasn't, he couldn't, wasn't making enough money. Mm. That's the problem Cal Yafai's got. And the only way you change that is by you capturing the attention of the nation with big performances when it matters. And this is a big opportunity for him Saturday. Mm. Uh, that's in Monaco. The other uh, fight that's caught my attention this weekend uh, is in Atlantic City. You know what we think of uh, Dimitri Bivol. An absolute banger at light heavyweight. He's taking on Jean Pascal, a man that we're uh, familiar with from his previous exploits. This is for the WBA light heavyweight uh, championship. This light heavyweight division, man, every time you see a world title up for grabs in this division, you can't help but get excited because every single one of them is unbelievable. And it's very, I think it's the most, it's the division that is the most difficult to pick. That and welterweight, don't get me wrong. Well, the welterweight debate is proper, isn't it? But the light heavyweight debate is 
is just equally as proper because they're all tremendous. We've seen Paterbia, we've seen Bivol, we've seen... Um, Stevenson. Stevenson. Alvarez. All these guys. Yeah. Absolutely outrageously talented lads. And everybody could sit in a pub at the weekend and discuss this division and come up with different answers as to who would be the king of the castle. Yeah. And you know what wouldn't surprise me if fucking John Pascal pulled off on, pulled off a shock this weekend because he's done it throughout his career. Mm. So... It's a it's an amazing weight division. I'm talking about World Boxing Super Series, this is the one, mm. and this, this was the one we were going for as well. Cali Cali Sowerland told us the, at the back end of um, sorry early in the summer that they were aiming to do light heavyweights, and they just couldn't make it happen because out of all the divisions, yes, this potentially is one of the most exciting because who is the number one? Mm. There's half a dozen names you could throw in the frame. However, it's also one that's most affected by politics. There's so many fighters here that, unfortunately, look like they'll never, ever fight each other just because they're with all different managers, promoters, TV networks, and that is so frustrating because, you're right, take the top six names out of this weight division, top eight names, throw them together in the tournament, and fuck me. I think it would probably even top last year's Cruiserweight tournament in World Boxing Super Series. And then you would have an Alexander Usk style, well, he's the number one, he is the guy. No ifs, no buts, no conversations. He's the man. And form would suggest, for me, that Bivol could well be that man. Mm. But again, opportunity this weekend. You can't rule out Baterbiev, though. Exactly. 100% you can't. And listen. And the kid. Uh, Adonis Stevenson. And uh, the fucking Alvarez who won last time out. Against, the big against Kovalev, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You can't re- That's what I mean. It's such an exciting weight class. But Pascal will be tough. Pascal won't, isn't, has never, ever turned up in his life and rolled over. But Bivol, this is the opportunity Bivol needs. Someone that's going to really come at him, but someone that's been a world champion, mm. been at that level. Bivol can make a statement this weekend and set himself and say, I'm the number one on the planet. Uh, don't forget, um, Andre Ward will probably come back and mow them all out. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's uh, a certain kid from uh, Liverpool who's the uh, undisputed, well, not undisputed, he's the number one in the super middleweight division. Yep. Uh, that, uh, he's talking he's, about he, moving up. He's talking about going up. So, yeah. you know, there's, a, there's opportunities there. Absolutely. And, you know... <clears throat> Some of these names are mentioned there could well be in the Bivol could well be in the frame for for Callum Smith next May at Anfield <laughs> if he decides to move up to this light heavyweight division. I think from Callum's point of view, I mean Callum would do it, but from Callum's point of view, now is the time for that ridiculous name. Do you yeah. know what I mean? The the, the superstar name. And that, that's why they're pushing for Golovkin, isn't it? That's right. They're Golovkin, Golovkin, Andre Ward, Canelo, yeah. those type of characters. That's who. We're, that's 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 where the focus should be. Yeah, Bivol. I think it's high risk with very low reward. I don't think it makes. He's it. not a big enough name. No, that's what I mean. No. It doesn't make enough dough. And the, it's the only name, fight. the only name in this weight division that did make sense. Obviously, I'm not counting Andre Walks. He's retired. Would have been Kovalev, yeah, yeah. but he lost to he lost to Alvarez. Yeah. yeah. So he, what's the point? Everyone's like, well, he brings no bell to the table, and he's just lost his last fight. So got knocked out, brutally knocked out in the seventh round. So that's the that's a tough decision for. Team Smith to make now is if they do move to light heavy, who's the right dance partner? Because you're right, John Pascal. If John Pascal wins this weekend, I would absolutely say John Pascal. Do you reckon a big potentially a big? I think it, I think it, well, I think we're talking superstar names. So you, if 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 Andre Ward comes out of retirement, oh that, yeah, that's the listen, only one at light heavy. That's never going to happen, right? Then, but then <clears> stay <throat> at super middle and yeah. wait for Canelo or go after bring someone up or Triple go, G Golovkin. <clears throat> that's who you want. Yeah, they're the names. Absolutely. Listen, a name like that is that's what's going to sell Anfield out. That's it. If you want to do five or six thousand at Anfield, John Pascal, sound, whatever. But if you want to do, you know, 20, 30, then 
maybe more, you then you need a Triple G. You need a Canelo. You need a if it, fucking, yeah. you know. Because that becomes much more than just a, a Northwest thing that becomes an, or a British thing. That becomes a global thing. Mm. You get fans flying in from all over the world to see those type of fighters. Mm. Listen, next week is all about um, the biggest heavyweight clash, not only of this year, but for recent times. I think, actually... Yeah, I'm going to go as far as to say since Klitschko. Yeah, yeah. Uh, since AJ Klitschko. Absolutely. Are you going to go AJ Klitschko? I'm yeah. actually going to go Fury Klitschko. No, it's bigger. AJ Klitschko was fucking massive. Yes, it was. And it absolutely delivered. Right. But I think you're doing that with hindsight and rose-tinted glasses. Building up to that fight, yeah, yeah people were excited and people were buzzing. We were definitely buzzing about it. Mm-hmm. But there was that tinge of, well, Fury's already schooled him. Do you know what I mean? No, going no, no. In, going into Dusseldorf, yeah. there wasn't that nobody nobody backed Tyson Fury to do that. No, but okay, and he went and did it. Well, you're fucking looking back retrospectively as well. You're doing exactly yeah, the same I'm, thing you've just accused me of doing. Right, I'm just trying to think of the build-up going into Fury Klitschko in Dusseldorf. Yeah, most people, a lot of fucking British national press didn't even go. Yeah, they didn't think he had a chance. Yeah, yeah. Retrospectively, that was huge. What a significant moment. Ten years of Klitschko reign is over. Amazing. I think Klitschko versus AJ was a bigger fight. Everyone was engaged. The whole country was talking about it. Mm-hmm. 90,000 at Wembley. That was a bigger event. Okay. And I think... But you're right. The biggest fight this year is, is Wilder Fury. I just think people need to start... Especially you, you've dusted your passports off for once. You're fucking obviously on your on route there. <laughs> that's why you've got a cheeky smile on your face. But <clears throat> I think people just need to... We always get carried away with Fury because next week will be amazing. Yeah. The build-up will be amazing. We'll be so excited. But we need to always remember that Fury isn't going to be in a gun show with anyone. No. This is not going to be oh, fight no. of the year. It's going to be horrible. It's going to be hor- It's going to be like a derby. It's like a football derby. Yeah. You look forward to it. You get excited. Just The butterflies are in your stomach because it's your big rivals. It's going to be amazing. And then you sit there for 90, 90 minutes going, I fucking hate derbies. It's shit. Yeah. It's so it's so frustrating, and it's kind of going to be like that. The only the only ace in the hole is the fact that nobody knows what Wilder's going to do. Yeah, yeah. Because he's just so unpredictable as a fighter, and that's the only reason. There's jeopardy. I'm kind of going any anything. It, that's what makes it so exciting is because Wilder's a fucking loose cannon lunatic. Yeah, yeah. If Lewis Ortiz had a beaten Wilder, and this fight was Lewis Ortiz versus Tyson Fury, I'd be like, don't even fucking stay up. No, just record it and watch it the next day. On fast forward, that's how you get the highlights. But because Wilder is a crazy fucking drunk outside Weatherspoons, the way he throws his shots, it's got to be watched live because can Fury and his big boxing brain and that huge frame negate the wildness and frustrate and make Wilder basically punch himself out? Can he do it to him? the way he did it to Klitschko, because I don't think he'll get in his head the way he got in Klitschko's head. The thing with Klitschko is he had 10 years of people going, oh, Vladimir, thank you so much for the opportunity. You are a great champion. And going to Germany and watching these fucking 20-minute monologues where Klitschko's walking through the halls. Remember all the videos he had and the greats like Muhammad Ali and stuff are saying, go for it, champ, and all that shit. (laughs) These crazy (laughs) ring walks that they had. Fighters are standing in the ring like fucking, oh, well, this is a bit overwhelming. Fury just fucked, threw all that out the pram and just went, I'm Batman and we made stressing as Joker and we're going to fight on a tape. That He fucked Klitschko's mind up. Wilder won't let that happen. Wilder won't... Wilder, I can't... I don't believe Wilder can be beaten psychologically the way Klitschko was. Just because he's... 
even though he's a champion wilder, he reminds me of a challenger. He's like a bit of a wild dog. Back's against the wall. The world's against me. I'm going to fuck you up kind of mentality. And for that reason, I think he won't let Fury get in his head. But one, two, three, four rounds in, I think Wilder's going to be thinking, I can't land on this big fucking pudding. I can't land. He's frustrating me. He's leaning all over me. My arms are tired as hell. He's got a gas tank. He can go to the well, Wilder. We've seen it before. But will his power, can he land? You know, everyone's like, oh, if he lands, it's all over. No one else has ever fucking knocked out Tyson Fury. No. So why why is it suddenly going to be all over when he lands? I don't know, man. I'm so excited. I'm jealous as fuck because obviously you're, you're going to be looking up close and personal. It's going to be awesome, though. That's next week's show. It is next week's show. Make sure you subscribe to us, all right? We're on uh, iTunes, Fight Disciples. All Android fees are on fightdisciples.com. Go and have a little bit of a nosy there. You can get us all over the place. I think it's Google Play, Spotify, you name it. We can, you can get us, so get on it. Uh, at Fight Disciples, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Don't forget, Wednesday night, our interview with Isaac Dogby, uh, the WBO Super Bantamweight Champion, is going to be on the show. We're doing a little bit of Neho, uh, so make sure you're on that, all right? And we will catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.